following is a very important message. That funky monkey, Chunky. Hey, it's Mo Fleshy. You say you're looking for a podcast that's funny? You think this is funny? Does this amuse you? You think the robot's some stupid clown or something? You think this is fun? What part of this is funny to you? What is this even? It's a coffee break? A coffee break, huh? You want a coffee break? How about I break your f- See the entire Earth turned into a huge time bomb. We are fighting for our lives. My family must survive. Yeah, I'm not the enemy. I don't know who the enemy is. State your name. Welcome back, fun boys and fun girls. My most sincerest apologies for the sabotagery of last week. I've told Eries to stay in a room today. You can't tell me what to do. Oh, but I can, and I just did. So now what you got? Cool. Real mature. Mature or not, just do what you're supposed to do. You're the sound effects interjector and the editor. Just keep it that way. You just weigh free willy. I got some real nice SFX interjections for you today, biatch. Fun! Let's get started with the first story of the night. I can't wait to get to Grandma's house to tell her happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, you better get one in while you can. She ain't gonna have much more left. Carl! What? I mean, the kid's gotta... What, just shut up and let the kid enjoy the ride, huh? All right, all right, all right. Well, we're here. Dad, look at that old bell. What? You see it every time. It's the bell that rings if there's a tornado coming or something. I don't know. I know, but look at it. It's clean. It used to be all rusted. I wonder who cleaned it. Ah, I don't know. Let's go inside. Hello! It's a man, baby! Oh, come in, come in. I'm not quite ready yet. The Wi-Fi password is on a note in the living room. Go stare at your phones while the tea will be ready in a moment. Hey, so Granny, we had a question for you. Who cleaned that bell outside? Oh, don't worry about that. Yeah, I was just wondering for the kid. How was your tea? Oh, it's grand. You know, if I could make tea just half as good as you can, Graham Graham. Well, it's not that hard. All you do is just put the pot on the boil. I mean, it's really simple. I don't know what's wrong with you. Oh, <laughs> oh I see. Hey, look, it's been swell chatting, but it's been a long drive. I'm kind of tired. I'm going to bed. You all do what you uh, want to do. Yeah, I'm kind of tired as well. We'll talk more in the morning. Good night, everyone. Okay. Good, Good night, night Graham Graham. Good night. Phil. Phil, you see that? Oh, you're dead asleep. That glow under the door. What's going on out there? I was just Graham Graham watching TV. Graham Graham, you don't fall for this stuff, do you? Like what, the shake weight commercial or the fact that you're watching Frasier at 3 a.m.? Sit. I'm going to tell you a family secret. It's for you and uh, possibly your brother. 
but not your parents. Do you understand? I, I guess. You know I was an orphan for a time. Born in this house, lived with my family, but then raised by an uncle after it happened. I was ten years old that night. It was my birthday. They got me a small cake about the size of your fist. I looked forward to that cake every year, since we didn't exactly have sweets bounding about back then. It was 11 cents, so rather expensive. But my mother had got one for every one of us on our birthdays, no matter what she had to scrimp or save. All year long, I saw Mary get her cake in January, Arthur get his cake in March, Eleanor in June, Clarence in July, then Ruth a week after Clarence. Then it was months and months until me, the odd one out. On October 29th, I was so excited for that cake. As the days rolled closer and the morning dawned, as the hours inched by, I hopped around the house like a bunny rabbit. I wasn't allowed to eat it until after supper, of course. I stared at the clock, so I know, yes, that one on the mantel there, the brass and chrome one, same one. But I stared at the clock, so I know, night fell at 6.41. That was the moment bright orange stopped glinting off the clock and my mother rose to light a lamp. Like now? Yes. My brothers and sisters always complained in support of me. She just always said, no, it's too soon. She'll ruin her supper. Father came in from the fields not too long after that. Dirty and tired as all get out. He ate in silence while we chattered endlessly about what type of cake it would be. Under the frosting, who knew? It might be raspberry, vanilla, or even chocolate. We were always so silent as father neared the cleaning of his plate, an event which would mark the end of supper. Four pieces of meat and bread remained, then three, then two. Any moment now. He stopped at the last piece, holding it unmovingly above the remaining dollop of gravy. We turned our heads. But then, it was the bell. The bell was ringing out in the fields. He grunted and put the last piece of food back on his plate before he stood up and opened the front door. We braced ourselves for the wind, but none came. He spat on his finger and held it up into the night air and shook his head. He moved back into our lamplight and sat down. Is it gonna storm? Is it gonna be a tornado? No, dears. No wind means no storm. Don't worry. Damn bell keeps on ringing. <sighs> Clarence, need you to get out there and tie that bell up. Okay, Paul. My brothers and sisters and I piled up to the window. Opening it, we found nothing but absolutely still chilling air. We watched his little spot of light move out around the house and into the fields in the direction of the bell. The clanging metallic finally stopped, and the candle's lit flame hovered next to it for a solid minute. Why is it taking so long to tie it? Maybe he's having trouble making a knot. Knots are tough. We watched for another minute or two before, and I know how it sounds. The little flame in the distance began to rise, slowly and smoothly straight up. We followed it with our eyes as it moved out of sight beyond the roof overhang. His knot must have come loose. Arthur, go check it out. Okay, Paul. We watched him grab his lamp and hurry out the front door, around the house, and into the fields where we watched from the window. The lamp was easier to see, and we were absolutely certain he reached the crook. As the lamplight hovered there, the bell stopped ringing. At that point, we had no reason to think anything was amiss. Maybe the wind had just blown a wisp of burning candle string up into the sky, and Clarence had just gotten lost in the dark. 
He would see the lamplight, find Arthur, and then they would both come back. The rising little flame we'd just seen had just been a fluke. The only problem was, staring out into the autumn night, we still felt no wind at all. We stared into that unmoving light for a strangely long period of time. We didn't know what he was doing out there. Was he calling for his brother, and why couldn't we hear him if so? Our parents looked away for a moment, and in that instant the lamp went out. Us children bleated, but by the time they glanced back, there was nothing to see. There was only darkness. Darkness is! Be a tear and go find your silly brothers. Okay. She took the only other lamp we had, leaving us all in the darkness. She headed back out around the house to the fields where they were. This lamp was the brightest and we could actually see her carrying hand in her white pajamas all the way in a small lit halo. On the way there she called out, Clarence and Arthur, are you two lost? About halfway there to where the other two lights had stopped, her calls went instantly silent. And I don't think that it was she had given up yelling, the sound just suddenly stopped completely. We could still see her carrying the lamp, still see her hand in the pajamas, and still see her turning this way and that. We could even see her raise the lamp near her face and see her shouting into the darkness. We just didn't hear anything. Nothing except that constant clanging bell, growing faster and faster in pace and louder in urgency. So there's wind out there after all. The air is just like a river inside an ocean. It's, it's moving fast out there. It's carrying her voice away. We just can't feel it here. Ruth reached that bell. We could see in that stronger light it entered our view, unmoving at the exact same time we heard it stop ringing. Ruth looked this way and that, and she was clearly concerned. She seemed to silently yell a time or two before moving closer to the motionless bell. There was a half-tied rope hung from the crook, an indication that someone had attempted to tie it, but we couldn't see Clarence or Arthur anywhere near her. She put the lamp down on the ground to free her hands for tying the rope the rest of the way, but that mostly hid the light among the low-lying, recently harvested stalks. We waited and held our breath. The air in my lungs started to burn. At last, at last we were forced to breathe again. Ruth's light continued to sit there, barely visible between the broken plants. What's taking so long? I hope she's all right. She's fine. Damn kids are just playing a game with us. Eleanor, go fetch your sister, will you? No way. It's scary out there. It's just a game. You're not playing a game with us too, are you? No. Then go get your sister and brothers. Tell them to come back in. It was pitch black out there and almost the same inside with us, save for one lone candle. Eleanor took our last candle and crept into the night and she scooted alongside the house to stay as close as possible to us. She called out for Ruth and Clarence and Arthur. This isn't funny anymore. Now it was us that sat in the dark. As Eleanor began to move further away with the last light, we tensed up, and Father, Father eyed the open front door, and Mother softly moved to close the latchet. I wondered what they meant by that move, because how were the others supposed to get back in? I suppose they'd unlatch it if anyone came back and knocked. Mother moved away from us in search of more candles. Through it all, the bell kept ringing out in the dark. I was so scared that I held Mary's hand tightly and I yelled out the window. Be careful, Ellie! 
She must have happened across that invisible silent threshold at that moment because she turned around in surprise and stepped closer. I heard your voice go quiet, but there's no wind. Papa, what's wrong? See, when I pass this point, my... She held up the candle to show us that her mouth was still moving, but we heard nothing. Come to think of it, her hair wasn't moving and we hadn't seen Ruth's pajamas billowing in any wind. I asked father, what's doing that? What's making it quiet out there? It's just a game. They're all lying. She's just pretending to make noise, so it looks like she's being silenced. She reached the bell. My father's grip on my shoulder squeezed painfully. She reached down for the lamp that Ruth had left, lifting it with one hand and holding a candle with the other. She approached the clanging bell. See? The candle's not going out even though she's not protecting the flame. There's no wind out there. But the bell is ringing, so there is wind. Eleanor kept looking around as if she'd heard something. She slowly reached the bell, which was hanging, unmoving from the crook. But we still heard it ringing. Mary started to cry. It's a game. It's just a game they're playing. But then Eleanor threw the lamp at something in the darkness. Ah, dark man! We saw the lamp crash and shatter and go dark, but we heard nothing. She raced towards us, candle in hand, but the flame went out because of the haste. We waited to hear her approaching or screaming, but nothing followed. We waited in terrified silence. Mother returned with a candle for each of us, and we sat vigilant at the window. Nothing and no one had moved. For hours, the bell clanged without wind. The night remained pitch black. The bell clanged and clanged and clanged. Near midnight, we broke. My father was beyond it. Mary, go find your brothers and sisters. No! I'm not going out there! You have to. This game has to stop. I saw her burst into tears as she climbed out the window. Holding her small candle, she inched out into the fields. Her sobs went quiet as she passed the same point in the darkness. Her flame reached the bell and the, the ringing stopped. But her flame was snuffed out. We held our breaths. And the bell began to ring again. Go, he told me. I realized that I was the only child left in the house, and I felt horribly alone. Everything in me shrieked against the thought of going out of that cursed night. No! My mother began to cry as well. What are you doing? It's just a game. There's nothing to be scared of. Why do you keep saying that? Why have I been helping you do this? Because we haven't been sending our children to their deaths. That's not what's happening. Mother pushed his hands away and ran to the window. She ran past me and stumbled out, and she ran screaming towards the still clanging bell, not out of fear of our father, but out of terror for her children. Arthur! Clarence! Ruth! Eleanor! Mary! For God's sake! Where are you? We didn't kill them! Everything is fine! He ran after her, and they both continued shouting until they passed that point in the dark when all went silent, except for that bell. Twice more it stopped. And twice more it began. I panicked. With terror beyond reason, I closed the latch in the window and pushed all the furniture against every entry to the house. I curled up in the cupboard, holding the last candle to my face as it slowly melted its way down towards my fingers. I was alone. Somehow I was alone. We'd all seen the danger and it started right as it happened. But one by one they'd all gone out there anyway. I'd been surrounded by a full band of siblings my entire life, and now I was completely and utterly alone in a house in the middle of nowhere. 
By the length of my candle, it was three in the morning when the knock came at my door. I trembled, but I didn't make a sound. The knock was sounded again. Forty heartbeats later, it was louder this time, and I shook, holding my candle tight. The third knock was more like a tremendous crash or kick, and I heard the door explode inward. Sixty heartbeats of silence passed, and then the foreboard creaked. Something in me told me to put out my candle for fear of it being seen through the cracks of the cupboard. But I didn't dare. Not darkness. I couldn't handle the darkness. Darkness, everybody! Everyone, darkness is spreading! I would scream if I did, so I kept it lit. Slow, quiet steps moved through the house. Whoever it was seemed to be pausing and listening at times. At others, I would rush forward to a random spot in a sudden frenzy and stop abruptly. Four hundred heartbeats after that, the bell began ringing again. But this time, it rang from inside the house. It rang from the kitchen. It rang from near the bed. It rang outside my cupboard. Ten feet away. Clang. Clang. Five feet away. Clang. Right up against the cupboard door. And then it opened. But what did you see? That's not the point. <laughs> I'm here, so obviously I survived, and a young man like you doesn't need to know what horrors walk this world outside the paved cities of man. Horrors running around doing their little behind shake for the menfolk. I kind of like her idea. You're not just pulling my leg. This really happened? Yes. But here's what I want to tell you, and what you should tell your brother. The thing that opened that cupboard door and stared at me from the dark. The thing that hoped to wait out my candle before the coming of dawn. Had a bell tied to one of its teeth with a blood-soaked rag. Such that it would cling when its mouth was open for a hunting. Somehow, some way, some heroic poor soul managed to tie a warning bell to that thing before they died. We heard that warning bell all night long. And yet my entire family walked out there one by one. We didn't listen because we didn't want to listen. My father knew what he was doing halfway through, but he didn't want to accept what he'd already done. So he did even worse to continue living the lie. W what are you saying? Fear will tell you to put your candle out, but your head will tell you to keep it lit. Don't give in to fear. You keep it lit. You'll get through this. Is that... Is that the bell? I was so caught up I didn't notice. How long has it been ringing? So, did they ever figure it out? I mean, I guess. I mean, it's some horrible beast. Maybe it was the grandmother who's the beast all along. Maybe the beast is inside all of us. I don't mean that, you reusable bag. I mean, did they figure out what flavor the cake was? Flavor the cake was? People died, Eries. I bet it was German chocolate. German chocolate? You don't even eat cake. Why do you care if the chocolate was German? Du warte nur, bald wird das Vaterland wieder auferstehen. What did you just call me? Don't worry about it, D-Bag. Your next story is up. Yes, it is up. Next story of the night featuring special guest. Yeah.
I was in shock as soon as I saw it. Like, I didn't expect to find a custom handicap-friendly car so easily. I mean, it's great for me. Both of my legs were amputated when I was a kid. I mean, I can get around easily on prosthetics, but it would be so nice if I could drive. Oh, yeah, I had the car open for my daughter. You see, she was, she was in an accident just last year. Plus, both her legs. Crazy! <laughs> anyway, uh, she refuses to drive it. She's giving up driving altogether. Says it gives her lots of sadness, so whatever. Great, I will meet you this afternoon. Well, swell. <laughs> Poor sucker. He's selling that badass car for a thousand bucks. Psh, hell, if he only knew, I would pay three times that amount without even a question. Oh my god, I better hobble on over there really quick before he changes his mind. Huh, this is a nice neighborhood. I wonder if I got the address right. Oh, look. Oh my god. There it is. Wow. Oh, it's even more beautiful in person. Oh, uh, hi. I didn't notice you there. Uh, I'm Fiona. I'm interested in the car. Yeah, I spoke to someone earlier on the phone. So, alright, I guess... You can just sit there in the yard and continue to stare at the car. It's not weird at all. Not weird. Not weird at all. Definitely not weird. No judgment here from me. And now you're looking at me. Okay, whoa. Like, is something wrong? You look terrified. There's something living in the back seat. I'm sorry, you what? There's something living Whoa, in the back lady. seat. Lady, there's, there's something living like, in the back seat. Down. There's something living oh, in the back geez. seat. There's something living hey, in the hey, back hey, seat. Hey, there's something hey, living hey, in the back okay, seat. It's okay. Yeah, sorry. So sorry. I, uh, I didn't see you pull up. You must be Fiona. I am Yuri. Yeah, it's, it's no problem. Hey, so she said there was something living in the back seat. Like, what are we talking about here? Do I need to worry about like, rat problem or something because if that's the case if you have rats living in the back of that car i'm i'm gonna need to renegotiate this oh what she said that oh no no nothing like that no she's crazy hey i told you to stay inside hey see what i mean hold on one moment i'll be right back come on you let's go back inside Hey, so sorry about that. It's okay now. Is she gonna be alright? Uh, what? Oh, yeah, hey, she's fine, she's fine. She's not right in the head, you know? That's the accident. She just never really got over it. She thinks there's some kind of monster or something that lives in the back seat. Crazy, right? Hey! Crazy, yes. Crazy. Yeah, she says it's what caused her accident. Not because she's a good-for-nothing alcoholic or nothing. <laughs> yeah, anyways, even after the accident, the car really is in good shape. I even had it rewired and... Uh... Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I am sorry. This is the car she was in? She crashed while driving this car? I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess so. You know, I probably should have mentioned that in the ad, huh? Uh, yeah, you think? Hey, now, it's okay, it's okay. There's no damage. See, it's, it drives like a wet dream, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I'd ask more for it, but you know, it, it makes her crazy. I just need to get it gone, for her sake, you know? I guess, but, I mean, I'd like to 
test drive it though still, you know? Give it a spin around the block. No problem. Awesome! These hand cranks are super easy to control. <laughs> what I tell you? <laughs> oh damn it! I knew it was too good to be true. Oh well. I mean, it still drives nice. I'll take it to the mechanic in the morning. What is that? I thought I saw like a red shadow or something in the back seat. Huh? There's nothing there. There's something living in the seat. I am just letting her get to me. I am sure it's nothing. So, uh, we did a full inspection and, uh, we ain't found nothing that could be making a rumbling noise. It must have been the road or something. This car's in better shape than it was off the lot. So you're absolutely positive that there could be nothing living in the back seat? Not unless it's invisible. <laughs> hey guys, invisible pets in the back seat. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh. <laughs> Great, thanks. So, what do I owe you? Let's see, uh, full inspection. Uh, it comes to about a grand even. Of course I'm going to catch every stoplight on the way home. <gasps> ah, something just pulled my hair. The red shadow in the back seat. I just barely saw it. I swear it was there. God, no, you're just freaking out. Just calm down. Breathe. What? Hey! Oh, so sorry, sorry. Uh, ah, something just scratched my neck. Oh my God, what the hell? What is that? That was a red arm. I just saw it slither into the back seat. Is everyone okay? Yeah, we're okay, but our, the back end of our car isn't okay. I mean, you, you crashed into us. Look at that. Look at that damage. I am so sorry. I will pay for the damages. Yeah, well, well, it looks like your car is fine. Aren't, aren't you lucky? There's no way I told... Wait, there's no damage at all. Not even a scratch. Holy shit, I bought a tank. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. You know what? You should probably go check on him, though. Check on who? The guy, the guy in the back seat with his face against the window. He's like all red. He doesn't look so good. Son of a bitch. I am getting my money back. You're <laughs> Damn you. This presentation is brought to you by the Thompson Cigar Company, helping you to manage your cigars and getting you the supplies and support you need so that you can smoke a better cigar. Good morning. I'm Bilford Grimley. I'm here to talk to you about diabet I mean, cigars. I smoke my cigar and I smoke it often. I buy all my cigars from the Thompson Cigar Company. They were founded in 1915. They're the oldest mail-order cigar company in the country. And they have the largest inventory humidor in the U.S. They got over 200 trained professionals on hand that provide personal customer service. And believe me, you're going to want personal customer service when you buy your cigar. Now listen to me very carefully. If you're a fan of the Channel 4.5 production team, visit the website, channel4.5.com. You can listen to this podcast and many other podcasts, but you can also click the link to the Thompson Cigar Company. 
If you do, you'll be able to pick from one of three options, save you a whole lot of money on your cigars. Option number one, if you buy any cigars in the special cigar selection, the entire order will ship free. Right to your doorstep. Number two, you make any order over $99, the entire order will ship free. Right to your doorstep. Number three, if you make a purchase of any of the five-pack fever sets of cigars, you can save up to 73% on your order, which will ship right to your bed, which is good if you can't get out of bed because of the diabetes. Okay, that's all I have to say about that. Have a good day, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll let myself out. Oh, and that's time, baby dolls. We need to get up and out of here, but we'll be back. Oh, you know we'll be back. A Peculiar Kind of Madness, written by Matt Demersky. Buyer's Remorse, written by Easy Misery. And read by the fantastic, fabulous Angela Landis. <laughs> you can Google all the IMDb you want, but you can find the best stuff on YouTube's. Very special thanks to her for coming on to the show and being a part of the team. <laughs> and the check is in the mail. Didn't get any messages to play this week, but always remember you can call me and leave a message anytime. Call 918-928-5230. That is 918-WATLADO. <laughs> oh, and check me out on the Facebook, on the Twitter, on the Instagrams. Happy Horror Coffee Break on Facebook. And Real Happy Horror on Instagrams and Twitters. You can also watch, listen on YouTube. And now, you can buy some shirts and shit. Go to teespring.com slash store slash happy horror merch. Anything and everything that you perch on the merch shop, 100% <laughs> of that goes to Tuberous Sclerosis Alliance. It's true, look it up. Thompson Cigar, smoke a cigar, it won't kill you. Do the thing on the commercial. Other than that, you singular, silver-tongued, slip-happy, slap-knocking, enjoy your coffee break. No, pfft, pfft, or whatever.